0: I'm going to read, uh, I guess, five verses of Scripture from 1 John, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that's all I'm going to read at this time. Uh, I always say, always ask God to bless the reading of his word. That it will be for our good and for his honor and glory. And I just feel like that's important for me to do that. My lesson is entitled, Redeeming Love. I guess my lesson will be more about the love behind the act of redemption than it is about the atonement itself. But I will talk about the Redeemer, and I'll talk about the redeemed, and I'll talk about the ransom that was paid for our redemption. Um, I've revised this a dozen times, I guess. But I'm going to do the best that I can with your prayers. There are two statements in this lesson that I read that I want to mention first of all. The first statement is that God, uh, I'm sorry, that love is of God. Love is of God. And I think that means that love as we know it um, originated with God. Uh, Even in our human nature, there are different kinds of love that we can experience. Now, when God created mankind... He gave them the capacity and the ability to experience love. And uh, by love, I mean the intense feelings of deep uh, affection. So as part of the human nature, you and I are able to love. We're able to love one another. And... uh, I have down here some things. Um, we have uh, romantic love. Uh, that's attraction to the opposite sex. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> uh, we have conjugal love. Uh, that's relating to the marriage relationship. We have family love, that's uh, love for parents, and uh, parents' love for their children. The Bible calls it, and the Apostle Paul said in Timothy that that's natural affection. And there's brotherly love. Now that's compassion towards your fellow human beings. And we also have friendship love. And I want to express again that love is of God. And He wants us to love, and He wants us to be loved. Now, the second statement that I want to refer to uh, in verse 8 carries even more weight than that first statement. The first statement said that love is of God. And the second statement is that God is love. Meaning that God's very nature is love. The scripture doesn't say uh, that love is God. It says God is love. And these two statements are not interchangeable. Now, there's a special relationship with God for those who have experienced being born again. And the scripture says that when the fullness of time was come, that God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, and made under the law, that He might redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And if I could pause just a moment, wasn't that lesson yesterday that was presented by Brother Skinner marvelous? Amen. Anyway, it says that God sent forth His, and because you are sons, you've been born again. There are lots of terms that could be used with regard to that relationship. But I like the idea of being called the son of God. Amen. And it says that because you're sons, God has sent the, forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying. I, Brother Skinner, I usually say Abba. Uh, Abba Father, but uh, I'm going to try to take your advice. Uh, Abba Father, Um, at the same time that God sends forth His Spirit into our hearts, uh, He justifies us. That is, He gives us a forgiven standing. In His sight. He forgives our sins. And according to the Bible, He remembers them no more. Amen. And from that very moment, uh, we uh, have a standing in the grace of God. We, uh, it's not because of anything we do. Because it is the gift of God. And we have a standing of being a forgiven sinner. And uh, that's through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And uh, we're justified by faith. And I want to emphasize that faith in this verse is not only the mental assent to the Word of God, but faith that is total trust and dependence in Jesus. Uh, There are a lot of people, you know, that are leading sinners uh, down the wrong road. They'll read them a verse of Scripture and they say, do you believe that, you know? Well, you can believe the Scripture, you know. Uh, but if you don't believe in Jesus and trust in Him for your deliverance from sin, you're still lost. Yeah. Now, in this experience that I've been talking about, we're made partakers of the divine nature. Um, and Peter said, having escaped the corruption, that is in the world through lust. Now, I believe that salvation is through the Lord Jesus, and that is the only uh, the only escape from eternal punishment. Jesus is our Savior. Now, this love that's shed abroad in our hearts, uh, that makes us a partaker of the divine nature of God, is not the kind of love I was talking about in the beginning. This is divine love. This is agape love this is the God kind of love that he sheds abroad in our hearts and that enables us to know God and to know the love of God and to be able to love God and um, so the apostle Paul he speaks of the enormity of love it's a big subject and uh He prayed for the saints at Ephesus, that they being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the uh, length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. We can't completely understand God as long as we're in this flesh. Uh, We don't understand uh, God's ways even much of the time. But it was Paul's prayer that those saints might be filled with the fullness of God. And what is God? God is love. You know, so um, you know uh, we all have the ability to obtain knowledge and um, intellectual knowledge. That's knowledge that we have learned either by hearing or by uh, reading or by study. We can obtain a certain amount of intellectual love. Um, But a person uh, can know everything the Bible has to say about Christ and His love and still not have an ounce of the love of God in Him. You see, you don't get to know God through study. You get to know God through a personal experience. When God forgives you of your sins and He sheds His love abroad in your heart. That's when and how you get to know God. Um, No doubt there are lots of people who as far as intellectual love Uh, Knowledge, I'm sorry. As far as intellectual knowledge is concerned, know more about the Bible and what it says than some of us do. You know, but we who are saved have the knowledge of God that goes beyond what we read and what we see and what we're told. Paul says unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, we've experienced, I'm I'm assuming everyone here has experienced this. You say that you've been saved and you've been called to preach, and I take your word for it. Uh, I don't know for a fact that you are. But I'm glad that we can know ourselves for a fact, can't we? And so uh, we have experienced the washing of regeneration, the cleansing, the forgiveness of sin, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And I understand that to mean the renovation that takes place in your heart. And there is a renovation. According to the Bible, uh, under the terms of the new covenant, you know, there was a, uh, the first covenant that was made in heaven between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in that covenant, Jesus agreed to come to this world and redeem us from our sins. Amen. That's not the first, I mean, that, that covenant was made in eternity. But the first covenant that was given to the human family, uh, Moses was the mediator of that covenant. And uh, it was a covenant of works. God says, if you'll do this and this and this, then you'll be my people and I'll be your God. Well, we know that covenant wasn't perfect. That covenant was done away with. That's what the Bible says. Uh, And it was replaced with another covenant. And under the terms of that new covenant that God said he would make, he said, I will take out the stony heart. Amen. And I will put in a heart of flesh. Amen. There's a renovation that takes place. Amen. It makes us a new creature. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And old things are passed away and behold all things are become new, and so the washing of regeneration, the cleansing I remember very well that afternoon, sitting in that rocking chair, burdened, uh, wanting to be saved more than than anything, and instantly. That burden was gone, and I had peace with God. And uh, the Holy Spirit witnessed to me, testified to me, that I had been saved and that I was now a child of God. And uh, the Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, He is none of His. Uh, That is a a spiritual rebirth. I don't know how well I'm doing trying to explain this to you all. But uh, we love Him because He first loved us. That love, it came from God. When did God's love begin? Well it didn't begin. God. Because God is love. And he's always loved. His creation. He loved Adam and Eve. He made every provision for them. He made this universe and all things that are in it and i'm of the opinion he did it for the benefit of his creation he loved us and so the questions asked in the book of psalms i can just picture the psalmist meditating and thinking about why would god love me and he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What a great world we live in. And that question is repeated in the New Testament, second chapter of the book of Hebrews. And it says, what is man? That thou art mindful of him, that thou visitest him. Did you know he visited us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ? And it goes on and it says, he describes man as being crowned with glory and honor. And having been set over the works of God's hands. In the first chapter of the book of uh, Genesis. uh, The Lord said to Adam and Eve. He said be fruitful. And multiply. And fill the earth. He said subdue it. Have dominion over it. And so he placed man over the works of his hands. But that verse in the Hebrews continues, and it says, Yet there's one thing that man cannot control. Man can tame a lion, you know, um, do all these things, you know. I, I marvel at how scientists, you know, can uh, uh, explore and how they can, uh, the word I need is gone. But anyway, you know, how they can discover, how they can discover new things, you know, that's been hidden from creation, from the, the time of creation up to this present time. And they could discover all of these things but nobody's ever figured out how to escape death. You know, man that uh, has been crowned with glory and honor and given uh, uh, dominion over everything that God made, he cannot, you know, defer his death. The Bible said there's no man that hath power in the hour of death to retain his spirit when the death angel comes we all submit Amen. brother ernie one of the deacons at fairview memorial fine man fine man this morning the death angel came by and ernie made his flight to glory but you can't control when it is you just have to submit to it now Paul said we see not all things yet put under him but we see Jesus we see Jesus who by the grace of God tasted death for every man now here we have grace And mercy introduced. Been talking about God's love that's behind redemption. And here we have grace and mercy. Uh, The undeserved grace and mercy of God. Now, where does mercy come from well Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that God who is rich in mercy he's rich in mercy that is he's rich uh, in giving compassion showing compassion and forgiveness to those of us uh, who deserve to be punished and, uh, and the punishment would be just, but he's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loves. the love that's behind grace, the love that's behind mercy. And he said, "For by grace, ye're saved." Now I want to talk about the manner and the method. Of his love. For a moment. In John chapter 3. And verse 1. John said beloved. Um, no he said. Behold what manner of love. The father hath bestowed upon us. That we should be called the children of God. So. I want to talk about the manner of love just for a minute. And he says. Then in the second verse. He said beloved. Now are we the children of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now. But I like this. John said, Beloved, now, right now, this very moment, the moment you're saved, and from from that moment throughout the rest of your life, you're a child of God. Now are we the sons of God. Now, we're going to go through a change one of these days. The Bible says in the 50th chapter of the book of Corinthians, you know, he said, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. But you don't have to wait until you die to find out whether you're a child of God or not. You don't have to wait till Jesus descends from heaven. Uh, And uh, the dead are raised incorruptible. And we're changed to find out whether you're a child of God or not. This plan of God, based on the love of God, was fixed in such a way that we can know now that we are the children of God. And nothing's going to change that. We'll be children of God the rest of our lives and throughout all eternity the children of God. Now, the word manner has reference not only to the quality of love, but also to the way the love was manifested. And John said, Behold the manner, the manner. Perhaps the word method would also be appropriate in helping us to get a better insight into this love of Christ. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. wonder what we're going to look like. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Wonder. I just wonder what we're going to look like. We're going to get a new body. Hell A new body. So when we talk about the manner of love. And the method of love. God fixed it the way he wanted it. And we don't know what it's going to be like. But we know this. We're going to be like Jesus. When Jesus came out of the grave. And then he had a different body to what he had when he went in the grave didn't he you know, and uh, that's going to be good that's going to be good I'll move on a little. The Bible said God commended his love toward us. This is in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. God commended his love toward us, that is he sent his own love in our direction, you know? uh, He was in heaven, the Father was, and we were on the earth, you know but God sent His love, commended it toward us while we were yet sinners. God didn't wait till after we you know made a change and then started loving us. He loved us. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to this earth to be our redeemer. He didn't love us because of his grace. He favored us because of his love. Say, so what difference does that make? Oh, it makes a difference. Sometimes we kind of take for granted some of the things that God has said and done. But it's important. God is love. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. Because He loved us, He sent His favor to us. He gave us favor. Now listen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And um, I have another verse of Scripture that gives us some more proof of that. In First John 4 and 10 it says Herein is love Herein is love He's putting it uh, on display for us so we can see it. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now that means an atoning sacrifice. Now an atoning sacrifice was a sacrifice that made everything right between the Uh, between the individual and God. And there's no other sacrifice that will do that. Not one. And so our condition was helpless, wasn't it? We couldn't save ourselves. No one else could save us. We were doomed for eternal destruction. And so God sent His Son To be a propitiation. Make a sacrifice whereby you and I could be right with God. Now, Paul said when we were in the flesh, that is before we were saved, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, God gave the law, and of course, He says, Thou shalt have no other God before Me. Thou shalt not make unto Thee any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down before it or worship it. Remember, He said, put God first. He comes first. Then He went on, and He said, honor your father and mother. He said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. So all of these laws, uh, James called them the royal law. Uh, He said these laws, he said the motions of sin, which were by the law. When, When we disobey God and break one of His laws, Our actions is the motion of sin. It is is an act of sin. And let me read this again. It says it better than I can. For when we were in the flesh, before we were saved, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. And Paul said, we know the law is spiritual, But we're carnal, sold under sin. We're sinners. We sin. Now, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And uh, so, listen to this. Galatians 3 and 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. If you're trying to get to heaven... Uh, you know, by good works, you're still under the curse. Yeah. Trying to obtain righteousness through good works will not work. For it is written, listen, it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. You know, uh, Jesus, He came, and He kept the law. He wasn't a sinner. He did not sin. Christ kept the law every jot and every tittle. And jot has reference to the smallest part of the law, the, the smallest commandment, the least commandment of all he kept that. But he also kept uh, every part of the law. Uh, and uh, it's the, the word tittle here means uh, well that was a, you know, the Hebrew language I understand and I've never, you know, I didn't go to school I didn't learn the Hebrew language. But uh, I read uh, that that Word tittle is a, just a little mark, or maybe a little hook mark, or maybe just a dot, you know, that made a difference in the letters. Some of the letters uh, were almost identical, except for that little mark, you know, that said that particular letter apart from the other words. Uh, the other letters of the alphabet and so Jesus kept it all every jot every tittle and uh, so James said uh, if a man keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he's guilty of all I don't know brother Adamson's you still yeah I see you sitting back there um Brother Willie Taylor, when I was just a preacher boy, probably within two or three months after I announced my call to preach, he was teaching us preachers. There several of us at Bethel. And he illustrated that like this. He said, if you fix a corral and uh, you uh, put 10 posts uh, to support the fence. And then you put a fence all the way around that. And you put your horse in that corral. He said, he don't have to jump out between every post, you know, to get out of the corral. If he just jumps out in one place, he's on the outside. And that's the way we're keeping the law. If you could keep the law perfectly every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, as long as you live, it would not have been necessary for Jesus to come and redeem you. But we can't do it. We can't do it. Now... It was necessary. Adam sold out, didn't he? He sold out. And he not only sold himself out, but he sold us out too, didn't he? He, he sinned, and uh, he brought sin and death upon all of his posterity. But Jesus now that was a curse, and Jesus come to redeem us from the curse of the law I'm I'm almost finished I'm going to define the redeemer the redeemer is one who pays the ransom price to release a captive we were all in bondage to sin and Jesus became our redeemer the redeemed those who have been set free from that captivity from that bondage of sin Paul said Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness and he said in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins and he said also for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law you're under grace you know, no. thank God for grace. Now, the ransom, Jesus said in the 20th chapter of Matthew, 28th verse, He said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give His life a ransom. And so, the ransom price for our redemption was the life of Jesus. Uh, uh, Peter said we're not redeemed with corruptible things but with with the precious blood of Christ. Now what that means is it means that Jesus had to die. He had to die uh, because the wages of sin is death. And to redeem us, Jesus had to die. And um it said that he gave his life a ransom for many. It don't say for some, it says for many. And if you have any doubt about uh, the number uh or how many that he's gonna that he died for you can find that in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, where it says that there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. For all. To be testified in due time. Now, the ransom was himself. It was his life, and it was his death. And uh, here's a few statements from the book of Colossians, and I'm just going to share them. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. You'll find every one of these statements. It said it pleased the Father. It was because of the love of the Father. And uh, it pleased Him to send His Son. And it says, having made peace through the blood of His cross. You, that's the way you get peace with God, through the death of the Lord Jesus. And you who were alienated and enemies, it said... He's now reconciled. If you've been saved, you're not in enmity with God. And there'll never be a time that God will disown you. He may have to chastise you, you know, uh, because we're sons, because we're sons. He chastises us. He don't chastise those that are not His sons. But it says, um, He hath reconciled us, taken away the enmity between the saved individual and God. And we love God, and God loves us. And when He chastises us, it's because He loves us. He wants to correct us. We still live in the flesh. We still make mistakes. So uh, John introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And ye know He was manifested to take away our sins. And Peter said unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Now this is John And that said that, not Peter. And hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 And that's the conclusion to my lesson. I I hope that you may have gotten some benefit from the lesson. May God bless you. Keep me in your prayers. I need your prayer.